Rantanen over on the far side. A sprawling play and they score. Oh my. McKinnon is going to get the goal. The Leaf defenseman went sprawling and narrowly missed knocking it off. I think that was McCabe. And McKinnon held his spot and gets the go-ahead goal. It's 4-3. I mean, you guys are watching the game. Like, when McKinnon's line gets out there with Picard and Chase, I mean, the caliber of play, like, that's not, like, that's not the NHL. Like, that's, a, that's another league. Ben, morning show, Sportsnet 5.9 the fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Yeah, that's an Avalanche team that won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago, but doesn't have four All-Stars like the Maple Leafs do now. Nope. Uh, Austin well, Matthews being joined by Mitch Marner, William Nylander, and Morgan Riley. And we wondered whether the, the, the votes would be oh, properly right. counted. Eight of the remaining 12 skater positions voted on by the fans, mm-hmm. by players in Canadian uh, franchise locations, Brian. Yep. So the, are you, you going to apologize to Gary Batman right now? Uh, no, because I don't like the way it was rolled out. I don't like the fact that they gave America a list they could focus on yeah, with Leon Dreisaitl yeah. on it. They're like, hey, here's some all-stars. Dreisaitl's there as well. And I'm going, mm, that's a curious list. And again, it's, it is just very naked that they feel they cannot sell Canada to America in terms of the way the game is messaged. There's no reason that that graphic would have been put out in any other way that it would have been. Oh, you're actually upset about that. Well, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. It just proves proof positive that they clearly are most focused on the market where they can make the most money. And I know people are going to say, Oh, duh, that's how business works. But you also need to actually care about the people Mm -hmm. who care about your game. And I'm not saying don't chase new fans. I'm not saying don't, you know, grow the game, whatever it is that means in any given day. Apparently, uh, Saudi money, if you ask people in golf, that's what it means to grow the game. But I look at it and I say that, yeah, there is still an element of, hey, we're going to start the season with a bunch of American teams. And then you guys in Canada can have your, your, your season opener the next night because you'll still be excited if it's the second night. But we wouldn't be as excited if it's the second night. So, yeah, it's like annoyed I, I think annoyed is the proper terminology i'm not angry i'm not mm. sitting here fixated on this but hey you asked me i'm gonna tell you yeah i'm irked by it okay the all-star game is is actually physically in the city of toronto mm. and uh there will be four uh toronto maple Leaf all-stars um but that being said the avalanche all-stars outperformed the maple Leafs all-stars on saturday For sure. and there's no denying that the head coach wouldn't deny that the, the head coach talked about them being in a different league he did not explicitly mm, talk about his team underperforming in that game, gave all the credit to the Avalanche mm-hmm. in that game, but did t- talk about specifically one of the best players in the NHL and, and Nathan McKinnon mm-hmm. and one of the best players in the NHL, Kale McCarr, as, as being on this other plane of existence mm-hmm. than the Toronto Maple Leaf stars. He did talk pretty negatively about the John Tavares line, and he only played, what, a couple of minutes in that third period, and... Uh, William Nylander was uh, extricated from that mm-hmm. line and thrown into a super line in the third period. We've, we've seen that before. Yeah. How many times, though, have we we seen the opposition head coach talk about, you know, the Leafs' top players being on the ice and 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 just being unstoppable and something that is above even the NHL level of play? Yeah, I think it was a uh, I think it was a different spin to get to a place that a lot of us have asked Sheldon Keefe to get to. Would we be having a different conversation if he came out and said, my stars are no good? 
I think we'd be having a pretty similar one, but it would be much more pointed. But that's kind of what he was saying in that moment there because, hey, we can sit here and quibble about who the second or third or fourth best forward in the NHL is on any given night. And, yes, that is me starting with McDavid as a lock for number one. But And we can have the argument of, oh, would you take McKinnon? Would you take Matthews? In that game, there was no argument. You would take McKinnon. But guess what? I pulled it up because I'm sick and tired of referencing the game and not having it in front of me. When the Leafs beat the Avalanche 8-3 last season and Austin Matthews had a hat trick, guess what? I'm pretty sure he was the better player on the planet than any of those guys. And they were the defending cup champions at that point. So, yes. Use it. Use it as fuel. I like the tact he takes of saying, hey, here's the guys you think you're on the same planet as. I disagreed. Go prove me wrong. I don't think they did that in spades yesterday in the Detroit game, but I actually have zero problem with the tact from Keefe. I've seen some people kind of not loving it or or brushing against it a little bit. I actually think that is exactly the way to go about it. That is a way of calling out your stars without, you know, in the parlance of Will Smith, putting their name in your mouth. So the Avalanche find themselves 59 points. They've played more than the uh, Maple Leafs 41. They've played 43 games. They're on a three-game winning streak. They have eight wins in their last 10. They're one point back of the Jets for top spot in the Central Division. The Leafs with that regulation loss. And by the way, this is creeping up. You know, Leafs lose three consecutive Mm -hmm. and the the old, hey, how many regulation wins conversation is creeping up again. With that regulation loss, they're 12th of the season. They actually have one fewer uh, regulation loss in the Florida Panthers. They're right there with the the Avalanche. Same number of regulation mm-hmm. losses. So, like, if you're if you're gonna have the regulation wins conversation, you should have the regulation losses conversation, which the Leafs this season have been pretty good at limiting. That being said, they are six points back now of a Panthers team that's been uh, a ball of flame the last month or so, but just a point up on the Red mm-hmm. Wings and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are the final two wild card teams. So, yeah. From a from a points perspective, right there on the dividing line between being in the playoffs and not. Time now for our insider, mm. brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider, as it generally is on a Monday, Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content, dailyfaceoff.com. How's it going, Frank? It's a game day for you, Frank. What's going on? Yeah. Big Eagles game tonight. Huge. I mean, are, are you still in on this Eagles team that looked like one of the worst teams in the NFL last month? This yeah, season? actually, let's play a quick game. Excitement level for a Phillies home game until it all ended in the playoffs last year versus the excitement level of this Eagles game, given what we've seen out of them for the last uh, you know month or so. Well, the Phillies would be at a 10, and I'd say they, <laughs> right now the Eagles, they'd be at like a 6. Mm. Okay. I That's mean... A- Here's the thing. I, I was rooting hard for the Rams last night because that would have meant an Eagles win would have brought an Eagles home game. Mm. Yeah, and that, that that still being a possibility was a, was a wild, wacky stuff. Yeah, I mean, how, we, how about them Cowboys? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. It's true. You you actually like what does tonight's game matter? You already won the weekend with the Cowboys loss. Yeah, like, I, don't, I mean, I don't care if they they <laughs> flame out right now. Mm-hmm. It was your season lasted one day longer than the Cowboys. That's a win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, maybe it's still in there. This is a team that was in the Super Bowl just last season. And yeah, for the majority of the season, looked like they were going to return there. So I don't know. Maybe we can just throw away the, the last month of the season. Maybe we can just throw away this regular season for the Toronto Maple Leafs when we get to the postseason. And they finally look like the the, the team that yeah. they're supposed Those to look like. Those go so much better for them. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, or maybe not, but here's what we have to, to deal with. 41 games of regular season play where they've accumulated 50 points. 
How do you evaluate this Leafs team through exactly one half of the season? I'd say fair. I'd say if I were to give them a letter grade, it would be a B. I would say given the issues and injuries that they've had on defense, I'd say that part has been pretty impressive. Obviously, you know, the goaltending is a huge question mark, which we can talk about Sam Sonoff's return in a sec. But the forward group has has been good, but not out of this world. It's a B. Like they they're they're kind of right where they're supposed to be. Some things leave you wanting, other things have been pleasant in a good way. Like the the way your depth defense has stepped up. Yeah, I'd mostly agree with that, right? Like you've had you've had super duper star stretches from Matthews and Nylander that have buoyed this team at times when maybe maybe you know they've they've got results that they aren't quite deserving of. But to your point, you know they're they're playing with a now third string goaltender, and I know Samsonov came back last night, and you know Jones has been a, a brilliant surprise for the the team. You know the question I think everybody has coming out of Ilya Samsonov's return last night is. Where is this team on him now? And, you know, I'm not expecting you to have the answer of where they are on him, but where do you think they should be? Like, is this a guy who is now back to preferred backup status? Do we need to see one or two more of these and he's all of a sudden firmly in the tandem again? Or is there a lot of track record that kind of needs to be built up for for a guy like Samsonov? I I think he's still got a ways to go. And that's just my own personal opinion. I'm with you. Yep. I don't know how the Leafs feel, but I could kind of gauge by what Sheldon Keefe was saying after the game that, you know, is the, they're trying to pump him up. Oh, we thought that was his best game of the year. I mean, not that the bar has been very high. Um, and then the next thing is, you know, it, it's they're really trying to push his confidence, that he battled hard, that, you know, they were proud of his effort, all those things. Some of the, the, the players were saying they felt like they let him down. Mm. That's usually the type of talk that you hear from a guy that they, you know, they really like. Um, and that they're trying to get him back to that position where you can confidently say he is part of the tandem. You hit it on the head for me, you know, just a, a touch earlier when you said third goalie. That that to me is the status that Samsonov has at this exact moment in time, if everyone's healthy, mm-hmm. based on pure play and meritocracy. But, I mean, the thing is, not everyone's been healthy at the same time, really, since October. and. Sam Sonoff can play his way back into that just as quickly as he got out of it. Yep. Uh, and Joe Wall might make the trip with the Leafs to Alberta. Doesn't mean that he's going to return to action. But yeah, I think when he does, and especially if the window still exists where um, Samsonov doesn't have to go back through waivers to go back to the AHL, he's obviously the odd man out here. Uh, the way Martin Jones continues to play and the upside with a Joseph Wall. There are, there are interesting trade candidates, and, and the guy that's kind of emerged over the last couple of days is Elvis Merzlikens out of out of Columbus, who is voiced his displeasure, despite the fact he's going to play tonight, apparently, against the, the Canucks. He's got uh, a large ticket. He is uh-huh. uh, under contract for uh, 5.4 for the next three seasons beyond this one, but having another pretty good year. He's, he's 29. Um, how do you evaluate his trade market, and could the Leafs be a fit? The trade market is is tough. I think the you know could the Leafs be a fit? I mean, I guess potentially. I I, I just don't foresee them spending that much goal that much money on goaltending for the foreseeable future, given the contract that Joe Wall has. Like that's he's going to be one part of your tandem for sure moving forward. 
So this deal currently isn't expensive. The next one after that probably isn't going to be super expensive. And I think you try and ride that wave as long as you can. Now, who do you get to play in tandem with him? I mean, that's the huge question for the future. I just, I don't know why you'd go out and feel the need to spend $5.4 million a year plus the acquisition cost to get him when he's been good this year. Like his numbers have been fine on a really bad Columbus team above average, but he played 30 games last year at eight, seven, six, like, and, and was kind of lost. And and so do you really want to, to roll the dice and find out the hard way that, you know, more or less what you can get from him at 5.4 is the same as what you could get on the free agent market for one and a half or two. I personally wouldn't. And I think that's the huge market shift that we're going to see in, in how we evaluate goaltenders. Yeah. And you'd also either, you're either making nine or eight and you're one of the absolute studs in the league, or you're, you know, they're chopping out the middle class, I think. Well, and I was going to, I agree with you that that's where this is trending, but like, it's a different conversation, even if this is a, you know, maybe it's this year and one more where you're saying, okay, let's see if we can tie this to wall and then see where we're at. But just with the, the, the matter of term that's left beyond this and you know, the, the season's coming, I I tend to agree with you there. You know, there's been some people wondering, and this has been a conversation that's kind of, I feel like popped its head up every, I don't know, month and a half or so this season of nobody's firmly putting Sheldon Keefe on the hot seat, but wondering if it's getting a little Warm. You know, he really reshuffled the lines this yeah. weekend in a way that we, quite frankly, haven't seen from him. And, you know, I guess my question is, I mean, first, do you think there it, is? It almost looked like last night they yeah. just, you know, one of those like Google randomizers. And you're just like, <laughs> yes. boom, this is what we're doing tonight. And everyone like it. And it's just like, what? what? How, how they, what, like, in on what planet <laughs> did you, did you, did you dream this up? Yeah, it, uh, it, it, we were wondering, like, who is this meant to be a message to? Is this just what he thinks is best course of action? Do you think there is Did any... someone bring a care package from Colorado <laughs> on Saturday? Like, what, what happened here? That's good. That's good. I do... What do you think about the idea of his seat potentially being warm? You know, I've wondered if, if there is a coaching change to be made, I would think it would be pertinent for Brad Living to make whatever trade he's going to make first and then get his coach bump a- after that. What do you make of the idea of the Leafs possibly making a change this season i've been you know i i don't necessarily believe that's the course of action they need to take but what do you make of that and then i I guess following it up with do you think if there is potentially a coaching change should true living make whatever trade we think he's going to make first i actually think this team needs a a shot in the arm trade wise first like that that would be the first step for me like i i don't think i agree making a trade or making a coaching change is very high up on brad true living's priority list at this point i do think that there is and i don't want to say i don't think frustration is the right word but i I think you can feel something building just Mm. watching in sheldon keith like it it almost feels like and dean evison actually talked about this when he got fired in minnesota you know a number of weeks ago that sometimes you just reach a point as a coach where you feel like you don't have any more solutions and everything that you're saying is not being heard the changes that you're making are not grabbing people's attention. And and not only that, but it, it almost feels he almost as he explained it in this interview with Michael Russo that, you know, you've you reach a wall with certain guys. Mm. And I don't know if Sheldon Keefe is there. I don't know if the the line changes last night are an indication of that. I'd love to to ask that question, but I, I don't think that the manager is terribly motivated to make a change. I think Again, he's recognizing some of the things that we talked about 
in terms of an overall evaluation of where this team is at mm-hmm. at this point in time, it could be better. It could be a lot worse. For the most part, it's been fine. And let's see what kind of roster changes we can make now that we have the Nylander contract extension done. Yeah, they're only a point into the playoff picture right now. They have games in hand. And I know that's just a, uh, that's a, you know, it's it's not the end of the season. I do think there's almost like a perception difference, though, if the Leafs, you know, open up the standings page on NHL.com one day and find themselves outside of the playoff picture. Maybe that's just me. Like, maybe I'm projecting here because it would definitely feel different for me. I wonder if that's the impetus to to, to do something drastic if you're, you're Brad for living. And to that point, do you think the Leafs could actually miss the playoffs this year? No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think there's enough good teams in the Eastern Conference to knock them out. But I I prefer to kind of – I'm waiting to pass judgment on this team, as I think as others should, until you see a complete roster on the ice. And I don't think we've seen that yet. Meaning, what does this team look like after Brad True Living puts some fingerprints on it at this deadline? And then I think you can properly judge it. So do we think it's just a matter of waiting for more sellers to appear? Like everyone in this market certainly thinks a trade's coming to talk, you know, hear you talk about it. You certainly think it's, we know Klingberg's money is sitting out there. I mean, oh, it's it just, the fact that it hasn't burned a hole in, in, in Brad Tree Living's pocket yet is kind of amazing. Well, that that's it's happening. Yeah. What do you think is the, do you think it's him slow playing this? Do you think it's a lack oh. of sellers? Like, what do you think is the reason for, for the trade not happening yet? Quite frankly. I think it's it's mostly been fit. I think they need multiple defensemen. And I think the key to accomplishing that is don't try and do it. You're not going to be able to do it in one swing, but you need to be able to fully see the picture of the board of everyone that's available before you go and spend what are limited assets. And I think it's it's more a patience thing on the Leafs approach to say, hey, we, we need to make sure that we understand exactly who's available because if we go out and, and spend this these assets, limited assets that we have, and it's not just cap space, it's also picks and prospects and, and potentially a roster player, we can't go and unring the bell if someone comes available later that we actually like better. And so I think they're going to, you know, you could probably, depending on what you're doing with Samsonov and how he factors in, if he does at all, mm-hmm. You could have seven and a half million dollars to spend. So I think the next thing, the next little step over these two to three weeks is let's get an answer on Samsonov first and find out exactly how much we can spend. And then by then we'll have a more clear picture of who's all available and then we can begin sifting through this. So there's 53 days left, 54 days left until the deadline. You've got some time here. It makes sense to use it. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and especially when you put it that way, I I you know I guess I guess the Samsonov is a, it's a tricky one, right? Because on one hand, if if they can if you know Wall's back healthy and they are confident in Jones' ability, you'd definitely love to have that money to play around with. But you know the banking on the health of Jones and what what is Wall going to be when he comes back? Like it's such a, a conundrum for this team. You know the the Coyotes are a team that were surprising some people earlier on in the season. Uh, now they've kind of fallen back to where I think a lot of people would kind of expect them to be. They have a few guys on, on expiring deals. One who actually had some success in this market with Morgan Riley. I do wonder if a guy like. Le- Bushkin would be a fit, but I, to your point, I wonder if he's kind of somebody that True Living knows he could probably kick some tires.
flyers and get in on now, but I guess he'd just be kind of, you know, waiting to see if the, the bigger, bigger fish comes available. Like, do you have any, any mind to who that player could be or, or a team that maybe you think is kind of figuring out where their position is in the standings before they, they move? Because, you know, I think when we think of, uh, when we think of defenseman trades, it's been a lot of Chris Tanev or a guy I'm thinking of in, in Ilya Labushkin. They're not the $7 million dollar player. Do you think there is maybe a world where there is that, that sexier, bigger name guy available? Maybe, maybe even a blue liner. I, I don't see it. I mean, just in, I go through these rosters on the daily. Like, I don't know that there's someone that, you know, you're kind of really waiting for going that if that name from, for a defense perspective, like I think forward wise, you right. can come up with these names yeah, yeah, yeah. all day long. Like, you know, so the wings suddenly have a, a point streak going here, you know, but what happens if the wings fall out? Like could Patrick Kane and last night's injury, notwithstanding, mm-hmm. could he become like, you can go through that and play that game all day long. It's a lot harder from the defense perspective. The one team that seems to have a few really nice defense pieces that are on pretty reasonable contracts is Seattle. But how motivated are they to be a seller? Mm. Like, I, I think they could move a piece or two, but I, I think you're going to probably have to pay, and especially to get a guy that has some term. Like, a guy that I'm thinking of is an Adam Larson, for instance. Mm. Yeah, that was the name I bandied about deal. as well, yeah. Four million bucks, but like if if I'm the Kraken, I'm sitting here looking at this going, okay, I can trade Adam Larson right now, but how am I going to go out and replace him this summer? And definitely not going to be for four million bucks. Am I better off just keeping him so that I can try and reboot for next year? Uh, Corey Perry. He, he's out there and, and met with uh, Gary Bettman last week. And yeah, a lot of people in these parts that are thinking about the the guy that's been on the other side of some postseason victories against the Toronto Maple Leafs and made three straight cup finals before he was ousted in six games playing with the Lightning last year as a potential fit in Toronto. So it's a two-parter. Like one, is he, do you, do you see him back in the NHL this season? And two, if 100%. he is, okay, so are the Leafs uh, a fit? I think they'd be a fit for sure. I mean, I think any team that has any Stanley Cup aspirations, why wouldn't he be? Um, is it just withstanding the PR questions, headache, however you want to word it? Like, do you think that is what's causing this to play out a little slower? Because I think a lot of people saw the report, what, was it last week that he had the meeting and said, oh, okay, he'll have a team in a day or two here. And, you know, myself, hand up, I'm a little surprised we haven't seen it yet. Like, do you think it's teams just kind of questioning how much they want to no. deal with that aspect? What do you think it is then? No, I, I think they're ready to go. I think there's a lot of patience on the Corey Perry camp part. Like they're not diving into something. I personally think last week's quote unquote news, which he was never barred from the NHL. He could have signed hours after his contract was terminated. He went out of his way personally to meet with Bettman to kind of clear the air. Um, I think it was a a trial balloon of, of some sorts of, Mm. Hey, let's, you know, let's see how people react to this news. And everyone just kind of shrugged. They're like, oh, yeah, Corey Perry, sure. And I think, you know, once he made the statement that he did, which was, you know, I'm, I'm battling through some mental health and alcohol abuse struggles, that everyone has a different viewpoint. Everyone has a different tone to whatever happened to go down um, in Chicago, which no one is really quite clear on except to say that the understanding that, NHL teams have is 
they think that the Chicago Blackhawks with what they've been through over the last number of years right. just are more sensitive, have a higher standard, so to speak, than a lot of others. And that had the same incident or quote unquote incidents occurred, you know, with another team that he's probably still playing for that team has sort of been the answer. So something suspect, but not obviously nothing that breaks the law or anything like that. And I don't even think there's going to be big PR blowback. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it's about fit really more than anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly somebody that's been playoff tested uh, the last number of years. So <sighs> it would, it would be quite a story. Battle tested playoff test. I mean, mm. the guy oozes competitive and, you know, creativity and all that. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him uh, uh, sharing. On pace uh, for 52, he was 52 points yeah. this year. I'd, I'd like to see him sharing a locker room with Ryan Reeves after the comments earlier this season, but I'm sure they could put uh, bygones behind them, but uh, we'll see. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? It sure would. Uh, Frank, uh, always great to chat. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one, guys. You too. Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. Our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. Yeah, just think about it. How good of an episode of Leafs Blueprint would it be if Sheldon Keefe just like breaks a pool cue over his knee in the Leafs locker room and says there can only be one between Perry and Revo? <laughs> and he's like, all right, boys, we're this holding tryouts. Like, this should be fun. Yeah. Gather around. Yeah. I, I personally cannot wait for that. God, Leafs management must have winced hearing that just now from Frank. Nope, nothing holding anything back because I was wondering mm. what was going on. Do it. You do, especially after the weekend. If there's any belief mm. of foot being taken off the gas or guys getting too comfortable or people feel like their jobs are safe, do it. Get them in here. By the way, should mention, Dennis Hildeby not only played in that Marley's yeah, game how on did Friday. It go? How did it go? Okay. I didn't even look into this. Friday? Yeah. Shut out. Oh, 20 save shutout and an eight nothing will a win over the Belleville Senators Sunday. Not so good. Mm. <laughs> Pulled after allowing no! three goals on 11 shots uh, against that same Belleville Senators team. So you got some good, you got some bad. You feel vindicated in uh, in pounding the table for him to have played? No, I okay. mean, was Ilya Samsonov great? No, yesterday, God, God no, he was fine. Yeah, I murdered him for a goal that he got scored on, where the defenseman had no stick and it was a breakaway, and I still didn't like it. No, so, I wanted yeah. to see Dennis Hildeby. Okay, well, hey, you can get your butt down to Coca Cola Coca Cola Coliseum anytime you want. Mm. That's what I think it's called, anyways. Not okay. Rico, I know that much. All right, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll bring the kid. Have you seen? I know we're going to talk NFL in a sec. Did you see the picture the Bills tweeted out of beautiful Highmark Stadium this morning? Yes, Looks I did. So cold. I'm so happy. I'm it, so excited to curl up in a ball and a blanket and watch that game. At this least afternoon. there is no precipitation at the moment. Uh, but first, ahead of the 2024 Rogers NHL All Star Game this year, giving away family four packs of tickets to the NHL Fan Fair coming to Toronto February 1st through the 4th. Just listen for the daily code word in episodes of the Fan Morning Show today until January 26th. Then text it to 59590 to be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is Hyundai. Our next code word will be in tomorrow's episode. However, tickets to the fanfare also available for purchase at NHL.com slash fanfare while supplies last. When we come back, I will right, we'll go to Buffalo virtually and talk to a man who's, who's there. I mean, the Bills already, they're still soliciting for shovelers to dig Highmark Stadium out after the blizzard that they suffered the last couple of days. We'll talk to Steve Tasker, former Bills All-Pro 
and uh, co-host of One Bills Live on WGR next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Van Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So, mere moments ago, Buffalo Bills, from their official X account at Buffalo Bills, game day morning in Orchard Park. We still need shovelers to help get Highmark Stadium ready for today's super wild card game there was a travel ban in effect that i guess expired at six in the morning uh the snow it looks like has stopped and they're gonna play today against the pittsburgh steelers on the final day of super wild card weekend let's talk to steve tasker former bills all pro co-host of one bills live on wgr sports radio 550 and msg how's it going steve Going really well. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Hey, Brent. Brent, how's it going? It's going well, man. So, what, what, what's the what's the status update here? Because uh, I saw some of the images from from yesterday and some of the people opening uh, their doors this morning to what appeared to be like six foot high snow drifts. Uh, what are we looking at at Orchard Park today? Yeah, it's a real obstacle, no question. Uh, some one of the things about uh, the the game, you know, being delayed, it wasn't so much about playing the game in the snow was about people getting in and out of the stadium. That's still an issue, although they've been working overnight to get the snow cleared, no question. And uh, the travel ban has been lifted. And, and as I look out my window, it's it's clear and sunny, so at least they'll have better weather to do it in. But, uh, yeah, they've still got some some uh, some work to do at the stadium to get it cleared so people can actually get into the stadium park and all of that. Of course, if you know, if you've been to a Bills game, the, the parking – in Orchard Park, uh, it's near neighborhoods and stuff. Sometimes, well, always uh, private citizens have people park in their yards mm-hmm. and all that's kind of part of the atmosphere. Uh, some of those, you know, they're going to be responsible for clearing it themselves or getting people in and out, and that's going to be an issue for some of the parking at Orchard Park, too. So I'm sure people have been working on that, trying to get that straightened out. Uh, the road crews here in Buffalo, as you might imagine, are well-versed in what it takes to clear the main roads, but some of the side streets and neighborhoods – takes a little longer to get to and also they've got to they've got to uh, clear the snow in the stadium i mean they got to get that taken care of they've been working on that um all night but as you can imagine um that's a big job and it takes a lot of people so uh, we'll see how the crew did who volunteered to come shovel and uh and how they're going to finish it up but yeah still a lot of work to go uh, to do before they can kick it off at 4 30 this afternoon well, I, uh, I'm sure I speak for you when I say whatever that work is, just find a way to do it because I'm ready for this game to, to be played. I mean, uh, the snow, I understand the idea of, you know, you can't have people traveling. It would have been incredible, you know, atmosphere, theater to see it. I, I got to ask you, you know, you played in a million games, you broadcast a ton, been on the sidelines there. What is the single kind of coldest game you remember? Maybe it wasn't cold. Maybe it was some other type of weather, be it a monsoon. What's your, when you think of as a, as a player or a broadcaster, what's the one that sticks out for for you just in terms of uh, a cold weather game and, and memories from it? Well, the coldest game in Bill's history is one I actually did take part in. It was a playoff game against the Oakland Raiders or the Los Angeles Raiders. Um, it was uh, below zeros, uh, 20, 27 below zero, something like that. It was a clear, sunny day, but it was really cold. And um, it was uh, the Bill, we actually won that game against the Raiders, but. Um, you could really feel it. And there was a ton of people that, um, you know, had to get first aid, had to, you know, get, had warming stations, that kind of thing. So a lot to be learned from it, but 
for the for the team actually in the league as to how to handle games this cold. But yeah, it was it was really cool. I mean, you had stuff. All the drinks on the sidelines were freezing up in the cups. You couldn't you couldn't get you know water. Uh, you know, uh, the players and the coaches in these situations usually have it better than the actual fans do because the, they've got heated benches, they've got big turbo heaters that blast out a lot of hot air, uh, so they can keep warm between series. And once you get on the field, uh, you know, it usually takes a little while to get cold if it, if it's that cold. But on days like that, when it when it is dangerous cold like it like it is or was that day. Yeah, you get cold really fast. I was glad I was playing special teams. I have one play, and then I could come over and stand next to the heater. Okay. Uh, but the offensive and defensive guys, they could, you know, if you had to put two or three plays together, you were feeling it pretty quick. Okay, Steve, you touched on something, and, like, I want to get to particulars of the game, but you mentioned it there. Normally, I have very little sympathy. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about these guys in the game. But in a cold-weather game, is there any job that sucks more than being the punter? You get to stand around for 59 and a half minutes and kick a brick like 30 yards if, if you're lucky. Like, What is, the, in your opinion, the worst position to play on a, on a cold-weather day like that? I think it might be. It's either the punter or maybe the punt returner. Um, if you're really in a position where you feel like you're going to have to catch the punt... Ugh. Um, oh, you know, the whole just sounds painful. Can, <laughs> the whole team, the whole team can be playing great, and if and you muff that punt, you can mess it up for everybody. Um, in a bad weather game, particularly in Buffalo, <clears throat> I've seen games where there'll be eight, nine, ten punts in a game, and every single punt will hit the ground. They won't even attempt to field them because the wind <laughs> is so bad; it's so cold. So there's a lot of that going on. You've seen that. Um, we saw that yesterday. Or, or the other day in the Kansas City Miami game, it was just a bad idea to try and field punts uh, because of the wind and the cold. So, yeah, special teams, long snappers, uh, guys who snap and hole and the holders, it's really hard to get that exactly right. Um, and of course, as we know, when it goes wrong, it goes really, really wrong. Yeah, so so you mentioned that game in Kansas City over the weekend where I think kickoff at, at uh, temperature at kickoff was what about minus three minus four uh, Fahrenheit, which was about minus twenty Celsius. It's it, the high today in Orchard Park is around minus six Celsius, which is about like twenty Fahrenheit. So it, it's it's cold. Like don't get me wrong, it's it's not pleasant, but it's not anywhere close to what it was in Kansas City over the weekend. And it looks like there's no snow in the forecast. Like how much of an actual impact on the game today will the weather be? Do you think? It will be some. I think the impact the weather has on the game today happened yesterday. I mean, these guys were on a routine, folk, and it's, you know, you do it every week. You do it um, year after year in the NFL. You get ready and you're ready to play a game. And then when they give you the pump fake, um, you know, it's, it's like, wow, your whole, nobody has a routine for being delayed 24 hours. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just like traveling for business or for pleasure. You get the day 24 hours and it's a, it's a bummer. Mm. Um, I think, I think the effect that the weather had on the game really has already happened because it's going to be whoever handled that 24 hour delay better. Um, you got to show up ready to play. This is a, this is, a, you know, it's a playoffs. And I've said it before that, you know, you, no matter how good your team is, you've got to play well on a day like today. Uh, or your season's over. Uh, even if you're the better team and you don't play well, you get beat. Um, in the playoffs, you're, you always get a team that finds a way to win or has found ways to win throughout the season. Uh, everybody in these playoffs is dangerous for different reasons. So 
handling a 24-hour delay is as crucial as practicing during the week getting ready for this. You've got to show up sharp and ready to play. Uh, and that's the danger. When you come out flat or when you come out not ready, you come out and make a few mistakes or you come out not ready for the conditions, you run the risk of giving the other team an edge that they never give up. Well, and, you know, the, the Bills are favored in this game for a reason. And, you know, I don't, I don't say this as a slight to Sean McDermott, but, man, if it's a getting prepared competition and your opponent is Mike Tomlin, like, you might be in a little trouble before, right? Like, he is one of the most uh, experienced, longest-tenured coaches in this league. And, yeah, just that element of it at all, you wonder how much that kind of pulls the Steelers uh, back, back into this. In terms of what you've seen out of this Bills team, I mean, we know the up-and-down nature their season has had, and then they finish 11-6, and six, and I think a lot of people would have said, all right, maybe I would have wanted another win or two in there, but that's kind of the record I expected them to have. What has gone differently for this team over the last month and change where they've ripped off this winning streak and they do feel like a little bit of a different team than we saw earlier on in the season? What's kind of clicked or changed for them in the last month or so? Uh, there's a couple of things. One, they started to run the ball a lot better than they had uh, early in the season. They started to be a little more committed to it. And also in the passing game, Josh Allen started to spread it around. Uh, there's a lot of angst going on in Buffalo about the fact that Stephon Diggs wasn't getting 15 targets and 10 catches a game. He was getting eight or 10 targets a game and having six or seven catches a game. Um, that was that caused a little bit of concern, um, you know, as this team was still winning games. But I think the, the, the benefit of that was that the team figured out different ways to win other than with Josh Allen and Steph Diggs. Um, their defense has also emerged as being a playmaking defense. They have started to, they've continued to get pressure on the passer and they have started to turn, turn, turn out turnovers. Um, they've been difficult to run the football on. They're starting to get a little bit healthier. Uh, Linval Joseph has made a difference for them. Uh, Ed Oliver has continued to play at a high level and Daquan Jones is back on the field. And all those things have really helped their defense get sharper up front which has led to more opportunities in the secondary. So a lot of things have just improved slightly and changed slightly down this stretch that makes them, a, I think, a very different team than they were in the first half of the season. Okay, so last time we saw this Bills team in the postseason was also in Orchard Park. It was also in uh, not ideal conditions as, you know, as playoff games in, in January in Orchard Park are going to look like. But, yeah, that was a, a total dismantling by the Cincinnati Bengals in the snow, 27-10 to 10 over the uh, Buffalo Bills. Like, what has changed in, in the year uh, between those two postseason games and specifically Josh Allen and, and maybe playing in this type of environment? Well, I think one of the things that's different about this year is that they haven't uh, – I think when they got to that – finally got to that Cincinnati game last year, the team was kind of emotionally spent. Um, they you know, they had the DeMar Hamlin uh, incident in January, I believe January 3rd of last year, and they, they went to the playoffs. They, they won the Week 18 game with two uh, a little bit unusual kickoff returns. Remember the opening kickoff against the New England Patriots, a team that was really struggling, and that's really the only – Two kickoff returns is really the only reason the Bills won that game. Um, if you remember, it was they won by two touchdowns, and that was the difference in the game. And then they get to the playoffs, and Miami Dolphins, with Skylar Thompson at quarterback, took them down to the wire, and it took a last-second field goal to beat those guys. I think this team was really shot last year, and mentally exhausted, emotionally exhausted from watching one of their teammates expire on the field and then you know being revived right in front of their eyes. Uh, they never really recovered from that last year, in my opinion. This year, obviously, that hasn't happened. Uh, they seem to be 
fresh and ready to go. And although they've had some key injuries to guys like Tredavious White and Matt Milano, they do seem to have found themselves and recalibrated their defense. Uh, and as like I said, their offense as well. Um, so I think it should be uh, a different football team that takes the field today rather than, than the one that took the field against Cincinnati, um, you know, 11 months ago or you know, 12 months ago. Um, but nevertheless, uh, there's no excuses. Um, you're the you're the better team. Uh, you had the better season, and uh, you should win on a day like today. And if you don't, there's nobody to blame except you. Yeah, there's no Joe Joe Burrow on the other side of the field. There's uh, Mason Rudolph. So uh, yeah, <laughs> the expectation is certainly a lot different in this game. Steve, uh, appreciate the time and uh, enjoy the, the the football game today. I will. Thanks. Ben, Brent, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Steve Tasker, former Bills All-Pro, co-host of One Bills Live on WGR Sports Radio 550 MSG as well. He liked your suggestion of that. He's like, you know what? I, I will enjoy. I was going to I was gonna sit there and not enjoy it, but because you, Ben, told me to, I will enjoy it. He the, liked your suggestion. Yeah. They, uh, the, I'm going to do the same. The, they, apparently, Bills, the Bills are also, well, so they're doing two things. They're kind of okay. like counterintuitive. Okay. It counter to each other. I have no idea where you're going with this. I'm so they're asking for people to show up and yes. dig the the stadium out. Get twenty bucks an hour yeah, and not meals. as you not as you thought. I'm going to put you on blast here. A flat rate of twenty bucks. I mean, okay. <laughs> I guess you get to choose how long you're at the stadium. I feel like you could probably out. leave it. Any, I don't think they're going to hold you there against your will. Uh, yeah, I cannot confirm. Okay. I think you're in your Chris 20 so what, until you, you get to work. Sitting there for eight hours or or, or more than that. Okay, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> uh, they're asking for more uh, volunteer shovelers. But they're also saying don't show up for the game very early. because okay. Well, the shovelers as, are there. I Right. So how did – I don't – so Steve is rightly pointing out that so many of these parking lots are privately owned. They're people's mm-hmm. lawns. Like yeah. anyone that's been to a Bills game knows yeah. that this is the deal. Like – yeah, you 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 kind of shop around for yeah. the the best rate on people's lawns in their driveways. It. We've all done it. <laughs> Those people got to dig themselves out. Yes, or else there's no place to park. This is true. Um, also, I've seen a lot of. Well, this is how are the Bills not building a dome stadium? They're about to build a, a new stadium. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a continuing issue for this team because yeah. of the. Th- there is no different result. As far as yesterday's mm. game being postponed to today, if there is a dome. It's this just is more not, frustrating, actually. There is, yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, you look at the playing <laughs> surface, you're like, oh, they could be playing right now, except they can't because nobody can get there, right? Also, did you see, like, I saw some some live footage at kickoff, what yeah. it was supposed to be yesterday. It's gross. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, to my point about, hey, I like freaky weather games that can at least at some point resemble mm. football. Uh, like the game in Kansas City could. I, there's That's not a football game that's being played in Orchard Park if they are forced to play yesterday. Okay, I want to I wanna workshop like the NFL's worst-case scenario with you. So the the theory or the, the idea bandied about was moving the game to Atlanta if right. need be. How many days would this game need to be unplayable before you say, yeah, no, we should have a playoff game in a neutral site in Atlanta, of all places? I don't think it could go beyond today. Like, I, if they couldn't play today, it was, it was game over. Like, I don't can, even, I don't know what you do next week in, in the 
division yeah, but what round. do you do to the Bills? Just tell them, hey, sorry, the whole season didn't matter. We're going to play this game in Atlanta. I don't know what choices. I don't know what choices. A fan have. base like the Steelers that travels more than arguably any other outside mm-hmm. of Bills and Cowboys fans. Like, honestly, I'm with you in that I don't know what the NFL is supposed to do there, but we talk so much about home field advantage and how much this matters. And, you know, the idea that this is going to work out swimmingly for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because they're going to get probably the bills after they win this game today, that it's going to be a team that has one less day rest because the game got pushed back to, to when it did. So yeah, I think uh, it's obviously like there's no dream scenario, but I don't know how you could tell. I mean, think about how up in arms the fans were when they had to play that game. I'm trying to remember the in fan. Detroit. That's right. In Detroit. And they were able to get fans there in time. It just, I no, it was, it was a nightmare scenario. It was, it was not likely going to happen either way right like i mean you would have really had to that would have been a hell of a storm for it to continue yep. uh, multiple days uh, over the weekend yeah. into today i guess and you know it yeah, was snowing never happened <laughs> no it was still <laughs> snowing overnight right like when i woke up uh at four o'clock this morning there were still yeah. reports of like tapering off snow mm-hmm. it stopped now so i guess like that there's not an unreasonable scenario in which it continues to snow through the day. But at, at that point, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, you can't wait another day. You have to play it tomorrow, I guess. Uh, in that case, it would be in Atlanta. But that changes everything, right? Like, yeah, you, if you're a Bills fan, how do you care? How do you care as much about your seating come postseason mm-hmm. time if you know that, yeah, like, the likely scenario is it snows in Orchard Park in January. So if it were you... And that you... there's precedent for moving the game. Yeah. So if it were you, would you have built a dome stadium? It was your your kajillion dollars and a lot of people in Buffalo's kajillion dollars. Well, especially if I had my franchise quarterback with an arm like Josh Allen has, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. he's, he's a multifaceted offensive weapon. Rocket arm, yeah, yeah. I'd probably think about building a dome yeah, if feels, I were uh, the Buffalo Bills. Feels so antithetical to what they are. Like at a certain point in time, you you have values in this world, and you should stick to them. And part of the Bills' value. Is their fans shirtless powerbombing each other through tables after drinking a lot, quite mm-hmm. frankly, at very early times in the day. And I love them for it. And I suppose you could still do that if you have a dome stadium, but just wouldn't feel right. So it's like, what's pragmatic? What's the smart thing to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like most things in life, what you said. But what's fun? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying and what I'm suggesting. And that's they should have a stadium with no windows e- or no walls even. It should just be, it should look like a high school stadium out there to truly, truly bleed into what they're supposed to be, which is a snowy, cold franchise. Love it. Yeah, it is part of the history there. Uh, it didn't go so well last year at home against the Bengals. It's and never yet, gone and, well. And <laughs> Steve, well, I mean, you know, four straight Super Bowls, they played in them. And you know what? Go ask Bills fans. They they, they they, love every single one of those losses. I mean, is it better to have loved and lost than to have never have loved at all? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, before we go, <laughs> shout out to you, Terry Ryan, on your 47th oh my God. birthday. Thank you. Getting into an ECHL game for the Newfoundland Growlers over the weekend. You were sitting at the bar. And somebody came up to you and said, hey, would you like to play hey, your bye. first uh, pro game in 20 years? Um, former eighth overall selection. He said, yeah, sure. Would you also like to get in a fight? No one asked him that. No, but like, He probably asked the guy. He's like, I want to get he's in a like, fight. What? This is a perfect birthday present on my 47th birthday. <laughs> they got and, punched and, and punched. He, and yeah, he eventually found himself uh, as the first uh, participant in that fight to be on the ice. But whatever. He, he had nothing but glowing reviews about his first professional game in 20 years in a weekend that the Detroit lions won a game. And that happened. 
the Lions were the second greatest feel-good story in sports for me. Anyways, everything that happened with Terry Ryan was incredible. Uh, if you can't find joy in your heart, it's me telling you this. So it's a it's a safe place. Go find some. That was incredible. Go watch the stuff from this weekend. Incredible moment. I'm happy you brought this up because it was the thing I enjoyed the most, mostly because of the Leafs. They couldn't take care of their, their end. But honestly, good on you, Ben, for bringing it up. And good on you, Terry Ryan, for everything this weekend. All right. Uh, this has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 5.9 at the Fan. See you tomorrow. Good, good morning. morning.